Ask the Dean, episode eight. Are you ready to talk about Vita, some healthcare reform, and much, much more? You're in for a great episode of Ask the Dean. Ask the Dean, if you don't know, is a production of Mapped. If you haven't been to Mapped, go to mapped.com. Mapped is a new technology platform. It's a whole company, but part of it, part of what we're doing is a whole technology platform to help you through your pre-med journey, tracking your journey, giving you guidance along your path. Sign up for a two free week trial at mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. We're going to go ahead and jump in to our episode right now. So I'm going to ask the first question, the first question, the first question. Uh, Why you the first squancer? Double AMC Vita, V-I-T-A, Vita Vita. Um, how, how much have you looked into it at this point? Well, you know, it's been sort of predicted coming or whatever for a long time. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you gave me a little backstory there because that yeah. was my assumption. Yeah. This, I this mean, was not a COVID thing. No, 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 no. So, you know, I, I think, uh, it's been sort of in the thought. I think for, you know, quite a while. And uh, now I think there have reasons to sort of make it happen uh, in a, in a quicker perhaps way. So, yeah. But yeah. So I have a, I have a new name for what double AMC stands for. I know your name and I I would love to hear you (laughs) share it though with our friends. (sighs) Always asking for more money. More cash. Oh man, I screwed it up. Always, always asking, right? AA, the four is, is kind of just a, a lowercase f, so it doesn't count. More yeah. cash. Always yeah. asking for more cash. Yes. Yes. <sighs> no, you're right. In 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 my mind, this seems like it's something that wasn't asked for, <laughs> isn't needed, but the double AMC was like, hey, what can we <laughs> what what can we create that we can charge more money for? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I I put an asterisk next to that because there is at least one medical school that uses something similar to this already. Mm-hmm. And that's Utah. University of Utah mm-hmm. uses mm-hmm. a similar one-way video screening process as as part of their or as their secondary essay process. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, it's not out of the blue kind of that right. this was created but it's it's it seems like it's more work for the medical schools the medical schools have to figure yeah. out how they want to incorporate this they right. have to figure out their rubrics they can't control what questions are asked so, right so it's just kind of force fed down their throat but like hey yeah. we have this new tool oh for you. that's that is the double amc way <laughs> force feed it down your throat <sighs> yeah oh they always get yeah they always get input mm-hmm from the medical schools <laughs> in one ear out the other and then they do whatever whatever they yeah. want to do. So so I have a couple issues. Um number one this is just more burden on the student, right? Um, yes. from, from the more, student and, perspective. And more anxiety. More anxiety, more burden specifically this year, right? This is not the year to release no, this. No. And I know the excuse of oh it's it's to help with social distancing. I'm like no, it's not replacing the interview. Mm-hmm. Most medical schools are going to do a virtual interview through Zoom or Skype or whatever platform right. they're going to use. So it's not replacing right. that. Right. So don't say it's helping because of social distancing. So it's it's adding this extra step that's 
already during a stressful time, number one. Number yep. two, oh, you're so nice that it's going to be free this year. Okay, great. You're going to charge for it next year. Um, and, and and it's more work for the schools this year when their whole process and timeline is all screwed up already. So right. number one, it seems like the exact wrong time to do it. Um, but yeah. but then really at the end of the day, um, it, it just seems like it's just more hoops to jump through mm-hmm. for students, mm-hmm. period. Yep. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be more money. It's gonna, mm-hmm. it's gonna add more bias to the process, right? Right. Uh, I would be perfectly okay with this. Number one, if it was free, mm-hmm. <laughs> and number two, mm-hmm. if it and, and free would be, oh, they would just <laughs> increase the AMCAS cost. So they're right. they're gonna get their money either way. But anyway, either way, right? Um, I would be okay with this if the video wasn't available to the schools, but it was some sort of Z score similar to Casper. Uh-huh. Right, how Casper has independent raters that are reviewing right. everything and giving a standardized score to the schools. Right. The way that it is now, the schools are going to look at you. They're going to see you. They're going to yeah. hear your your uh, as I as I stutter. They're going to hear your stutter. They're going to see the color of your skin. They're going to yep. see the the your hair. They're going to see everything about you, and they're going to go. Eh, no, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. I'm going to move yeah. on. When yeah. before, they would offer you an interview and then have that bias, obviously, because we're humans and we have bias, but have that bias one-on-one in person mm-hmm. and and let my personality, let my answers, let my, my individuality in person with you yeah. uh, potentially overcome any bias. But yeah. I don't know. I'll be interested to see how many schools actually use it. Um, but I I think regardless of how many schools actually use it, the downside is that it's still going to be added cost for the student and it's going to be, um, it's going to be added anxiety for the student. Yep. I just don't like it at all. I don't like it either. And it's, they've already proven at least through one, this was similar to the standard video interview or whatever it was called. Um, that the AMC used because the AMC, a lot of students don't know the AMC also runs the um, electronic residency application yes. service, yes. ARIS, for yes. for medical students applying to residency. The AMC piloted a project, the basically the same exact thing for emergency medicine residency, and yeah. and that failed. And the emergency medicine people were like, "Stop doing it. We're not using it. It's not useful." Students were like, "This is terrible." And so the AMC is like, "Well, we have this project already, right? Well, let's figure out how to make money from it." So yeah. anyway, yeah, you're right. <sighs> Yeah, uh, my my pre mid years episode uh, next week as as we're recording this probably um, on the I don't know what next week is fifteenth twenty second will probably mm-hmm. be about the WMC Vita. So, ah, good. good. I am glad you you confirmed my in, in unofficial <laughs> or official way. You confirmed my speculation that this was not a COVID thing. No, this was no. something that was planned, and they're like, oh. Perfect timing, yeah. right? Oh, here's here's the other thing that that I I was gonna mention earlier was they can't get MCAT registration right. They can't no. get AMCAS right. No. They 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 can't how are they get, gonna get this right? They can't get anything right, and now they're adding more. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. like come no, on, you're right. You're right. And, uh, anyway, anyway, 
All right, enough double AMC bashing. Um, <laughs> what? Well, what's I, our I, first question today. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, so our first question here: Do you believe the U.S. healthcare system will reform for the better after this pandemic <laughs> exposed its longstanding disparities for disadvantaged communities and its mental slash physical burden on healthcare workers? So I'm going to give you the jaded response first. Um, the U.S. healthcare system will not reform because of disparities. Right. <clears throat> Period. It, that's that's not what drives um, our country, unfortunately. Right. The question is, will companies be hurt enough by people being out of work? Will employees be out of work affecting production, a.k.a. money-making, enough that it hurts the bottom line of companies and companies start fighting back yep. based on this uh, insure, uh, not insure, our, our employee-based healthcare system that we have yeah. in this country, which is one of the only countries that has this stupid system yeah um that is the only way that this is going to change unfortunately yeah. it has nothing no. to do with the disparities for african americans which is mm -hmm. showing um disparities for those who don't have a good access to preventive medicine preventive health care yeah. um those with with chronic conditions which are more exposed to to covid or more um uh make covid more deadly for them unfortunately yeah uh Completely yeah. agree with you on that. It's, uh, you know, the, 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 the question said, do you believe that the U.S. <laughs> healthcare? And no, I do not believe that the U.S. healthcare system will get better after this. No. Yeah. I hope. I hope. And, oh, and sure. I've, I've talked about it a bunch with my family and, and with other people that this is the time, right? This, this is the moment. And I've joked. I said if Bernie were, were our candidate, our primary candidate in the Democratic Party— we we would have um we would have a universal healthcare system as soon as he came in because mm -hmm. we're in a spot where are a lot of right and it, it sounds counterintuitive that our healthcare system is hurting a ton because of a pandemic right yeah, we have yeah. all these sick people the healthcare systems are going bankrupt but that yeah. doesn't make any sense well that's because they make most of their money from elective procedures and other right. other stuff um, right. that have been shut down or were shut down uh, near the beginning of this and hospitals lost a ton of money and so yeah. hospitals are really struggling luckily the the administration um, paid a lot of money to to um, to bail out really if you want to call it that uh, to give to healthcare systems to keep them open. Mm -hmm. um, but they're going to be hurting. A lot of doctors' offices won't survive this or haven't survived this. Um, it, the this hopefully will change, um, yeah. but I, I I don't think it will. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> Um, here's, here's my hope, Scott, is that I think everything that's going on in this world, both from a pandemic standpoint and from a social justice standpoint, I think those who have empathy mm -hmm. are starting to, to, to see the light. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Gen Zers, um, have a ton of empathy and they're seeing yeah. everything unfolding in front of them. Uh, and they are voting age, a lot of them. Yeah, and so yeah. I think uh, the only way to to really 
make change is to vote the people who you want in office and vote them into office, both from yeah. a local standpoint and from a, a federal standpoint. So agreed. agreed. Get out there and vote. Go vote. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's a deep one. That's a deep first one. All right. right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I know Casper is something certain schools require. How do deans utilize this information when looking at applications? Oh, I like this question. Well, this is a good question. And uh, I know my experience here in Texas has been uh, that a small number of the schools have are requiring, I guess about a third of the schools at this point are requiring Casper. And, but none of them, and have required it for several years now. None of them are actually using it yet. They're still studying how it can be used in their process. And uh, so I think the, the, the medical schools are doing a great job of, of really being very uh, careful with uh, how CASPER uh, might be used, how it correlates with a variety of different things that they're interested in, that they want to know about, uh, et cetera. So I think that uh, it's yet to be seen uh, how many schools are actually going to use it now. So keep in mind, there's two, there's two points to the question that is requiring it and using it. Yep. Uh, a lot of schools are going to require it initially, uh, but are going to wait to use it until they really understand what it means and the impact of having that as a part of their process. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, as with, which is the most frustrating part of this process, as with every school, every answer is it depends. It depends yep. on the school. It depends on, yep. on what they're doing. Absolutely. And and really, that 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 is with every part of the process. Um, yes, how do, absolutely. How do the the ad comms use a personal statement? How do the ad comms use the activity list? How do the mm -hmm. ad comms use secondary essays? How do mm -hmm. ad comms use interviews? How do ad comms use the WMC Vita? How do ad like it just goes on and yeah. on and on yeah. and on. Every school uses things differently, and yep. that that is both good and bad. It's bad yeah. because you don't know what to expect, but it's good because how one school uses things may be a complete disadvantage to you, and how another school uses it may may help you get in there. So yeah, that's right, absolutely. Oh, yeah. How diverse should my experience list be? I've been volunteering as a medical assistant in a private practice since February, and my pre-med advisor told me to stop that and find other experiences. <laughs> but I, I love volunteering as an MA, and I want to continue my clinical experience. How diverse should my experiences be? Scott, I'll let you take this one. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, you know, I, I don't think you should stop being a, a medical assistant. <laughs> if you particularly if you're really enjoying it and you're you know you're really having a good experience with it, et cetera. Now you're volunteering. I think the question said you're volunteering as a medical assistant. Um, so what you may want to do is, if you're volunteering as a as a medical assistant at, at a pediatrician's office. You may want to seek out volunteering as a, as a medical assistant in a different type of setting to see what that would be like. Uh, the differences between a, uh, you know, a pediatric clinic and a uh, uro urology clinic or the difference between a pediatric clinic and a, you know, whatever other type of clinic. 
So, but you know, again, I, I don't think that's a, a major deal. I, I disagree completely with the pre-med advisors uh, stance on that. And I, I just think if you're getting great experiences and you're enjoying it, then go for it, you know, keep, keep doing it. Yep. That's my advice. Yep. I concur. I, I think it's, it's crazy. I mean, and, and again, these are people and they have their jobs and they think what they, they know and they, they talk about what they think they know. Um, and, and maybe they talk to one ADCOM member at one school who one time said, we, we want diversity of, of experiences and we want students to shadow primary care and shadow surgery and shadow psychiatry. And so that, pre-health advisor then turns around and tells every student that that's what they need to do. That's what all of them want. That's yeah. what all of them want. When it was just yeah. one ADCOM member from one school, and and maybe that's not the vision of the, the whole admissions committee. It was just that one person thinking right. that's the best way to, to become right. a, uh, a well-rounded student. And right. it's just, it's just not right. Number one from, uh, from a, you, you can't extrapolate that to every school with anything. And, and number two, I think we have a situation, right, again, from a, a, a social justice perspective with everything going on in this world, it's just highlighting the disparities more yeah. and more and more and more. And there are students out there who don't have access to this kind of stuff. And Correct. They found one, stay in that one, and don't Absolutely. worry about not going to that one and quitting that one and then spending six months to try to find another position. And right, right. Like, Correct. Do what you can do, make it work, and we'll we'll be good. Yeah, I we'll celebrate you for that. Yes. Oh man, uh, <laughs> this is a heavy episode today. I'm I'm like <laughs> my, my, I'm just I, I'm feeling tense today. All right, uh, I've shadowed a family friend in Argentina for about eighty horas, eighty hours in the last dos uh, dos años. años. Um, <laughs> Is a letter of rec from a physician outside of the U.S. acceptable? So working on a little Spanish there because earlier today I recorded four episodes of the Spanish for Pre-Meds podcast. So that's a, nice. that's a little project we're working on. Nice. Um, what are your thoughts on this? So I think that – so the first thing that I think is that, um, yes, it would be acceptable. Uh, however – I think that there, I usually talk about things in terms of something being good, better, or best, or, or there's a difference between something being acceptable and something being optimal. So yeah, and a, the physician you shadowed or whatever in, in Argentina would be great. Uh, what, what you want might guide him or her to talk about are things that are relevant in the health, in American healthcare system. In other words, contact with patients, uh, your, um, particularly depending on the area of the country you're in, especially, but your, your fluency in Spanish, uh, and how, how meaningful that was for you, for you to be able to communicate with the, with the patients and, uh, you know, your, your, that you were always on time and that you were, you know, always, you know, enthusiastic and stuff like that. Um, no, so if you have a good relationship with this, uh, with this physician and, uh, and he or she really wants to write you this letter and is very enthusiastic about it, I would say go for it. Uh, it sounds like a great letter to me. You've done a lot of work 
obviously there and it shows diversity of knowledge of healthcare systems around the world. It shows that you, um, you know, like I said, particularly if, if the physician, if the Argentinian physician really emphasizes the things that are, that cross over well with the, within the context of the American medical healthcare system, then I would say go for it. What, what do you think about that, Ryan? So I'll give a couple asterisks. Asterisks. Um, this student specifically said family friend, right? And so oh, I, I, I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't that's extrapolate, right. and that, that's good. In in my mind, that's good, right? It, it adds a little bit of is there a conflict and is this a biased letter? I'll I'll leave that to the side. If this student said I shadowed a physician in Argent uh, Argentina through a shadowing program that I paid for. I wouldn't get that letter, right? right? right you're right, you're right. paying for a letter, really, in that respect. So that one right. I would throw out. Um, and then the the only the only one that I like to throw out there is University of Utah uh, is the only one that I know of specifically where they, uh, at least historically, and, and obviously it it could have changed yesterday, but historically they have had um, a a clause on their shadowing saying they do not accept international shadowing. Right. So, um, so just those those two notes. Yeah, the yeah, the yeah. family friend is one that comes up a lot uh, with, is this an okay letter to get? So if it's a family friend, right? And if the physician doesn't say, I've known little Johnny since he was a, a boy because I'm friends with his dad. Or right, whatever, right. Right. Exactly. If, if the physician doesn't say that, then there's probably no way for the admissions committee to know that right. it's a family friend and right. the letter's probably going to be yeah. fine. Obviously right. there's bias in everyone and right. blah, blah, blah. Right. But, right. but yeah. Um, and I think that that is where the student has to guide the letter writer to yeah. say, don't mention this or that. Uh, do mention this or that. And, yeah. you know, so that would be beneficial. Do you think it adds, right? If, if you think of what is the goal of a letter of recommendation is to show who you are and your qualities mm. and traits and, and not mm. necessarily, oh, he has the best hands to be a surgeon, right? Right, right, um, right, right. Wouldn't a family friend be a great person for that? Well, <laughs> so to extend that logic, uh, then your family would be great. Yeah. <laughs> the, the problem is, is bias, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, you may be right. This, this physician may have known this student since he or she was born mm -hmm. and are, you know, and, and so they're unable to be objective yeah. uh, about the student. And that's a problem uh, for me. Yeah. Objectivity. It's good. Yep. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. What do you think of virtual shadowing during the pandemic? I think it's a hell of a lot better than real shadowing during the pandemic. Two options, <laughs> nothing or something. <laughs> Take something, right? And, and that's really right. the, and that's the rationale, right? It, it's funny, we, we are not we, but I got into this argument on Reddit with students saying, yeah, go, go for some virtual shadowing. And they're like, what are you crazy? Schools don't want virtual shadowing. I'm like, well, no crap, like, <laughs> but it's better than nothing. Right. That's right. And, you know, you may get some interesting experiences out of it. It's not optimal, but nothing these days is optimal because of Miss Rona. So, yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Rona. Um, 
Yeah, and and I I'm a huge fan of saying yes as as much as possible because you don't know what doors are going to open because of that. Yeah. And so if you have this virtual shadowing position, you may be exposed to a physician, to uh, an administrator, someone who's going to open some doors for you as soon as this oh, yeah. is over. Or either now or next year or five years from now, you're gonna you're gonna have some doors open because of this experience, and it, yeah. it may not help you in your medical school application. But you, yeah, but you you just never know. That's yeah, that's the I'm kind of stuff I like to agreed. Do. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Ooh, bring it, bring it, bring it. Oh, big one. Oh my, <laughs> more shadowing. Um, stupid Rona. All right, I'm worried about my. Amount of shadowing my pre-med advisor. <laughs> oh, here we go again. <laughs> this, is, this is funny because most pre-med advisors are like, oh, like when a student says, my, <laughs> I read on Student Doctor Network and we're here going, my pre-med advisor. Anyway, sorry. Uh, is highly concerned about my number of hours of shadowing, 30 to 40 hours in one specialty, but I work full-time in a nursing home where I actually work with the physician daily as a medication technician and have great relationships with them. And prior to that, I worked in a hospital and was interacting with physicians frequently as well. I thought I had quality shadowing experience, but she is concerned that it is not enough. Uh, and then the rest of the thing gets cut off. So here's, here's, here's the ultimate question. And again, it depends for the school that you were at and from your experience <clears throat> as the former executive director of TMDSAS. Yep. How how common do you know it to be or have you seen it to be where schools have minimum cutoffs for shadowing? Uh that would be zero yep. in my experience. Yeah. Uh what they're looking for is and you know, I, I agree completely with this with the students thoughts about their experiences in my view there's you know what you get out of shadowing is you get you get contact in the environment you you get to see what's happening with the physician with the uh nursing staff with the you know other healthcare team members etc over a period of time and the same thing you're getting to, to view in your work experience at the nursing home, in your work experience at the hospital, you're seeing the environment, you're seeing what's going on. In fact, I think what you do, what this student lined out is a great um, sort of uh, a grouping of things. You get, you're getting, uh, you're getting a clinic environment with the uh, shadowing the physician you're getting a hospital environment. You're getting a nursing home environment. You're getting a lot of different pictures of what healthcare is all about. That you can, you have a richness of all that to be able to talk about in your application. So I, I don't have any concerns with that. I mean, I just, I think you know, shadowing. Yeah, okay, maybe you're limited on the the actual shadowing sort of hours, but. That's not what medical schools are looking for. They're looking for this richness of experience, and that, from my in my view, that's what you you're lined out in your question that you yeah. got that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's funny, right? It would be very hypocritical, I think, 
to on on one hand for medical schools to to say don't treat this like a checklist, and then medical right. schools on the other end are treating it all like a checklist. Like, do Correct. I have enough shadow? Do I have enough of this? Right. Yeah. And stats aside, right? Stats are very different, and we we need to meet a threshold. Um, if you want to call right. it a checklist to meet that threshold, right? I I like how you you framed it from an experience perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have mm -hmm. enough experience to know that this is what you want to do? And, right. and I, that's how I like to frame it when I go <laughs> when I used to go to conferences and give talks. Um, yeah, was was back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, um, was uh, this this is not a checklist for the medical schools this is mm -hmm. experiences for you to prove yeah. that this is what you want Correct. so that you're not one of the the 60 percent of physicians who are burnt out of your career because you went into it thinking it was something that it's not Different. yeah so yeah. my only kind of asterisk that i like to add on to this is the consistency side of it so 30 to 40 hours, I think is probably plenty. But if it was three years ago, then the question yeah, is, good point. did you just do it to check off a box? And right. now you're on to something else. Right. Um, and so I, I always like to preface it with like, if you can get five hours a month, right? Maybe it's one day a month or one weekend morning a month where you can go shadow for a little bit. And, and over time that adds up to a lot, but it's really not the total hours I care about. It's the consistency showing that you're, you're interested. And again, I'll caveat that with if, if you're in a situation where you have to work and you don't have time and you have kids and all, all, all of that stuff gets taken into account, um, through, through these reviews and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. I do. Agree <sighs> with that. The timing is, which was not covered in the, uh, yeah. In the question, the, the timing would be sort of an important thing. Yeah. All right. Let's bring Ooh. it. Um, hey, guys. I'm an incoming junior, and my classes, including Physics 1 and Lab, Microbio Lab, and Biochem, just went online for the fall. It's also looking like my clinical experiences will be canceled or at least altered. Thanks, Rona. Um, right. It's like that. Thanks, Obama. Mean <laughs> thanks, Rona. Uh, I felt like I was on a really good track to apply next cycle, but now I am second guessing myself. Uh, I'll still have meaningful clinical experience, but it'll be cut off by a semester or maybe more. Is less clinical experience and online labs and prereqs enough of a reason to take a gap year? Um, yeah. Well, wow. <clears throat> That's, you know, the first thing I would say is something, Ryan, that we have talked about a lot and we repeat over and over again is you're not any different than anybody else in the cycle <clears throat> right now. Anyway, everybody's classes are online labs and, you know, everything is in such uh, uh, a chaotic state right now including clinical experiences, including volunteering being cut off and shadowing being cut off and everything else, you're not going to be the only person out there who this is affecting in that way. So number one, I would say no, that my, in my view, you have to feel right about it though. If, if you want to take a gap year because you're concerned about that, but my, my, my worry is 
you know, Lord forbid that we're still in the same situation next year, this time next year. Please no. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. But who knows? And so, you know, I would recommend that the student really push forward. <clears throat> if they're an incoming junior, they've got a whole year to decide, make this decision. You don't have to make this decision right now in terms of whether or not you're going to take a gap year. You can, you know, still prepare. <clears throat> you can still go ahead and prepare for the MCAT. You can still take the MCAT if you haven't already. So I would just go, I, just go forward and, and still try to be um, uh, on the right path because I think everybody's in this situation. And I just don't see it um, that, that it should really force you necessarily into a gap year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can start to see questions because I know pre-meds and you know pre-meds. Yeah. Yeah. I can start to see the questions of, right, if you're in Southern California, um, doc, Dr. Wright, uh, UCLA is uh, is online, but Loma Linda is in person. Should I transfer schools and go to Loma oh, Linda God. to take in? Like, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I can see those kind of questions starting yeah. to pop up because we're gonna have they, we're gonna have schools yeah. doing their own their own they're, thing. They're, yeah, and you know, I and I and I, and I don't fault uh, pre meds for for thinking that way. Um, I think it's a reasonable and very normal way to think, particularly when you have a variety of different schools in your area which are offering things in a hybrid way maybe or whatever. Um, but, you know, ultimately I think it's about learning. Um, it's about whether you're doing it online or whether you're doing it in class or a hybrid method or whatever. It's all about learning. And if you learn the material and you do well in the class, and you prepare well in those classes that are that are relevant to the MCAT, and you are able to do well in the MCAT, then that is the, that's the key. It's about learning. It's not about where you took them or whatever. School, medical schools are going to be very forgiving for the next couple of years on this issue of online education, and uh, I think you just got to Focus in on not what do they want, what are they going to do, what what is this going to mean. Focus in on your learning material. Yep. Or as I like to say, you do you, boo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, when would be an appropriate time to ask physicians about shadowing again? And how would you recommend we even go about it considering the current situation? So I'll I'll give the yeah, the kind of feedback just from a physician standpoint is you're going to find physicians just like the general public who think everything that's going on with covid is completely blown out of proportion um unfortunately the uh this pandemic at least in this country has been politicized and so those yep. uh those on the right and are more those who are more conservative think that this is being blown out of proportion um and so those physicians may be more likely to say hey yeah come come and shadow because this is no worse than the flu Right. Um, and you may have to wear a mask and you may need to take some extra precautions, but they may be completely fine with you shadowing. And, and yeah. if you're okay with those risks, then go for it. Yeah. So in, in my mind, right, and this is just kind of general uh, life advice from Dr. Gray, is when you say 
something like I'm not going to ask because of X, Y, Z, that's, that's your own thinking. Those are your considerations. Let the physician tell you no, right? Go and ask and say, hey, Dr. Smith, I, I know, right, it's crazy time. I hope you're okay. I hope the clinic's doing great. Uh, I'm a pre-med student. I'm looking for shadowing. Here's why I want to shadow you. When are you taking shadows again or uh, students that, that can mm-hmm. shadow again? Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would love to be uh, considered once you open up. And they may write back and go, hey, we're, we're taking shadows now. We never yeah. stop shadowing because this is yeah. blown out of proportion. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so don't, don't let your own considerations prevent you from getting some great experiences that are that are out there right yeah. they're shadowing yeah. experiences out there they're few and far between thankfully um so ask uh, now. yeah i agree with that statement completely don't tell yourself now don't tell yourself now yep ask and let them tell you yes or no yep. perfect Absolutely. It's it's very common feedback that I give, uh, kind of this similar advice for schools. Let the let the mental yes. tell you no. Absolutely. Like, oh, my grades aren't good enough. Oh, my MCAT's not good enough. Oh, I don't have enough of this. Oh, I don't have enough of that. I'm like, the, the, unless you're like a 2.0, <laughs> 490 MCAT, right? Uh, obviously, those those are super exaggerated, but there there's a huge gray area uh, yep. for students where I'm like, you should apply. You should apply. There are going to be some schools based on your experiences, based on who you are, that are going to want to take a look at you. Let them tell you no, and then you'll have your answer if you need to take some more classes or if you need a better MCAT score or whatever that yeah, may be. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Is it worth it to retake classes you got a C plus in if you are already past it in your series? I got a C plus in Gen Chem series. But A's in Orgo 1 and 2 in Biochem, <laughs> they just really hurt my GPA. I have an answer for that. Yeah, go for it. So the, the math is all the same, right? It's, at the end of the day, extra classes is just math. And it's, it's, you're adding credit hours and you're adding GPA. So you've already proven, speaking to this student, you've already proven that your foundational knowledge is fine. You got A's in Orgo 1 and 2 in Biochem. And for some reason, you, you, your brain just didn't work with Gen Chem, which is very common, strangely. Uh-huh. Um, and so in, in my mind, there's no reason, again, getting back into micro versus macro, right? Students like to think micro of the med school's not going to accept me because I got a C plus in, in my Gen Chem 1 and 2 versus the medical school is looking at me holistically, looking at my GPA holistically, looking at my trends going from a C plus to A's, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take some more upper division classes that I'm interested in because Absolutely. they're going to they're gonna really interest me and I'm going to get some more A's in them versus, oh, man, I got to go take Gen Chem 1 and 2 again. Yeah, oh, I, and, and then you walk out with C's again and you're like, oh, crap, and <laughs> that stinks. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree with that. It would be much better to take, you know, upper level science, upper level science classes that you're interested in that are really going to be much more relevant to preparing you for what you're going to face, and particularly in that first six to eight weeks of med school, maybe that first year, <laughs> yeah. than Jen Kim would be. Yeah. Now it's it's a completely different question and potential answer. 
if the student said, I just took Gen Chem 1 and I got a C plus, should I retake it? Right? They're yeah, just completely hot, hot off the press, right? Yeah. They just yeah. got their grade. Yeah. I got a C plus. Well, crap, right? And that's where going back into the, well, what does your foundation look like? Right. Did you just bomb the last test because you you pulled an all nighter and you you went right. to a keg party or whatever and you just, <laughs> right. you were dumb and 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 it reflects in your grade but you know the material and you're gonna do just fine in, in Gen Chem two or did you really really struggle with the material and a C plus was amazing because you were really struggling and well maybe you should retake it yeah yeah I agree it depends a little bit on why and when I yeah. agree. And just to, to throw out there, uh, again, for MAP, to write MAPs, we'll be able to say, oh, you got a C minus for most schools. That's not passing, right? right. Uh, we'll be right. able to put that in there. So yeah, um, C, C plus is usually passing for medical schools. Yeah, but C minus is bad. Yes. Okay. Ring it. Is that it? Is that all we got? All right. Oh, here's one. Oh, Enrique. On a recent mm. interview, Enrique Hasso mentioned that TMDSAS data indicates that the rate of acceptance of seasoned non-trads. What's a seasoned non-trad? <laughs> Just enough salt and pepper. Um, <laughs> by, by Texas schools is somewhat low. That being said, what can seasoned career-changing non-trad do to be considered a desired applicant? Interesting. Mr. TMDSAS. Yeah, I think, well, you know, in, in a, the first thing that comes to my mind is the last part of the, well, the last sentence of this question, what can seasoned career changing non-treads do to be considered a desired applicant is the exact same question. Even if you took out the word seasoned career changing non-trad, if the question was, what do I do to be a great candidate? then it'd be the same answer to, in my view as if it was a season, non, whatever a season non-trad is. Yep. Um, oh, she, she, he or she further clarified it's older. So I don't know what older means. Are you talking about <laughs> 31 or are you talking about 51? You know, what, what does that mean? But, seasoned. Uh, properly yeah. seasoned. Properly yeah. aged wine. There you go. <laughs> so what, what I would say is, you know, it's the same for everybody. You know, you want to have a good, um, you know, you want to have good experiences. You want to have a good track record in terms of your academic track record. Now, if because you're an older applicant, uh, that you are and your past experiences in, in school were, were poor, then you're obviously building uh, a new framework for a medical school to look at you academically speaking. So you want a good number of hours of uh, coursework to, to say, this is who I am as a student now, as opposed to back when I was 22 or whatever. And so you want to be able to show that you can do school and they can do it well. Uh, you want to show that you have the cognitive ability uh, through, you know, doing, doing well on the MCAT and you want to get a lot of good uh, experience in, in medicine. Uh, through shadowing and or uh, clinical experiences, et cetera. So I don't necessarily think that the question is about your age as much as it is about the, the very things that we talk about with traditional applicants yeah. uh, in terms of what they want to, what they want to see is the same thing. Now, having said that, 
the key for a for a career changer, especially, is why. Why 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 do you want to do this now? Why do you want to make this change? What led that decision making process to to sort of unfold? And the story has to make sense to, <laughs> to an admissions committee. In other words, you have to be able to say. You can't say, well, I was sitting around the living room and I was watching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> one night and all of a sudden, boom. I remembered when I played with my doctor's set when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't know why I went all Southern with my accent, but um, but that's usually the, the thing. And it's it's interesting, right? I, I think first off, I want to I want to address the question and and really hammer home to hammer home to everyone how we need to use critical thinking. We have we have failed as a society to use critical thinking. Yep. The the same thinking that goes into wow, lots of students are taking gap years, therefore I should take a gap year to get into medical school is flawed thinking because we don't know why those people were taking gap years. We don't know yeah. why the students got into medical school. You, you, the correlation doesn't equal causation. The and herd so mentality. when when the question is only 23%, whatever that question was, right, of, of seasoned non-traditional students are getting in, well, how do I stand out? The The question implies that that only, that medical schools are only accepting a quarter of, of non-traditional applicants. How do I become the best non-traditional applicant? Whereas we don't know why the 75% of non-traditional applicants didn't get in. Right, right. right. Exactly. Do, do those students have 490 MCAT scores? Do those students have zero clinical experience, zero shadowing, right. 2.0 GPAs? We don't know right. why those students didn't get in, so we can't make those sorts of leaps in our, our assessment right. and judgments and and reasoning. And so the biggest mistake that I see, going back to your last point, was was why, right? Mm -hmm. Why is this? The biggest mm -hmm. mistake that I see non-trads make is – not understanding, and, and probably the biggest mistake that I see all students make, is not understanding the whole point of this application process. It's not to be the best GPA student. It's not to be the, the, the student with the best MCAT score. It's not to be the student with the most hours. It's to be the student who can explain why the heck they want to go through this process, Absolutely. come out on the other end with hundreds of thousand dollars worth of debt, with bags under their eyes, aged 10 years, right? If, if you look at Obama pre-office and Obama yes. post-presidency, <laughs> right? That's your life coming out of residency. <clears throat> why, why would you want to put yourself through that when there are other careers out there where you can be happier and make more money and do all this other stuff? Why? And so I see a lot of non-traditional students who their reason why is, well, 15 years ago, I wanted to be a doctor and now it's just the best time. Right. I'm like, yeah. what have you done since then? Oh, yeah. nothing. I'm yeah. just, I'm ready. Right. No, you're right. I agree completely. <sighs> I'm anxious today. I don't know why. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm wound up. Oh, man. Um, any more, Rachel? Yes, no. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, I don't know if I've heard this addressed yet or not, but since the dean has experience specific to Texas schools, the dean, the dean, that's that's you, the dean, the Mister, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, um, can he, Scott? <laughs> we. This is Doctor Wright. Can Doctor Wright provide some insight into how receptive Texas schools are 
to out-of-state applicants. Oh, I love this one. Uh, particularly from Tennessee, if it makes a difference, being that we helped them become state law. <laughs> <laughs> right? Reparations, you owe it to me. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. So 175 years ago, when <laughs> Tennessee helped us in 1836 to 1845. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but see, that, that's, that's counterproductive because Texas wants to secede. So it's like, oh, I mean, exactly. why did you do this to me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. No, I, I, no. So number one, no, it doesn't matter what state you're coming from. It doesn't matter. You know, ten, very few admissions committee members are going to even know that Tennessee had a connection with Texas. <laughs> I happen I to know that. I, know. I happen to know that because I'm a big history buff. So, uh, but you know, the average medical school admissions officer or admissions committee member would not even know that. Explain state law. For out of state so applicants, basically the state law is it is attached to the the every two years when the legislature meets is attached to the appropriations bill, and essentially it says and appropriations that, is funding, right? Yes, funding. Big, big word for for everyone. That's right, yeah. and it's it basically says that we that you risk losing your state funding if you have more than ten percent out of state students in your class. Yep. So the medical schools are going to be very, 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 very cautious uh, about that. And, uh, and so what that basically means is that uh, if you look at the stats about out-of-state students versus in-state students, the GPAs are not a whole lot different in terms of the average GPA score if you looked at in-state resident, in-state residents getting into medical schools versus out-of-state residents getting into medical schools. Very similar G, uh, average GPAs. The big difference is in the MCAT score. Most Texas medical schools uh, have, you can, you can guarantee that the, the uh, average for uh, non-Texas residents in the class for MCAT scores is going to be considerably higher, uh, and that's the dif differentiator. So what they're looking for are now having said that there are students who, I mean, excuse me, there are medical schools in Texas who do try to figure out if you have some connection to Texas, it's not going to make you a Texas resident, but it may mean that they feel better about having you in the class as a non-resident because your grandparents live here or you lived here when you were five and six years old and still have a lot of friends and family here, but you moved away with your parents to wherever. Yeah. And uh, so I think that you, um, that it, it depends a little bit on the story because everybody's going to say, Oh, I, I love Texas. I love hot weather. I love, I want to be, you know, whatever. I want to <laughs> stay in Texas forever. I never want to leave. I like big and, trucks. Yeah. <laughs> Or big, you know, cows and horses. <laughs> yes. I, I love the feral hog problem and I want to come solve it. Exactly. If you don't know the feral hog problem, go to YouTube. There's some interesting videos out there. Um yeah, it's it's interesting, right? The and and Texas is not unique with with kind of the the mandate for a certain threshold or, or certain Correct. maximum for out-of-state yeah. students some uh, there are a lot of states that have that for their public yeah. schools yeah um 
the the thing, and I, I've I've talked to Enrique to see if he can pull this data, and he's he'll work on it when he's not busy doing everything else. Is is really trying to get to the data of because on TMDSAS, and correct me if I'm wrong, TMDSAS does ask your high school, right? Does ask yes. where you went to high school. Yeah. So TMDSAS could look at your application and go, okay, you're not an an in-state resident, but you went to high school here in the state. So mm -hmm. we can look at these ties and see where yeah. all weaves together. Correct. Correct. And that's something I'm really interested and excited about with MAPT, to be able to get this kind of data to go, this student isn't a resident of the state, whether it's Texas or another state, but they got into an in-state school. What what sort of connections and data can we look at that that we can then help other students and go, you know what, this this one public school, we'll use University of Colorado as an example, right? Just where where I'm at. University of Colorado and and they they do get a lot of out of state students, but that's okay. Let's let's just for for exercise purposes, right? University of Colorado, they only accepted ten students last year from out of state. Well, what's who's behind that right and in mapped maybe five of them were were mapped users and we can go well those five students used to live in colorado they just right. aren't they colorado residents anymore right. or right whatever whatever those potential connections are right? right we can we can gather that data and, and help uh help make um students understand that data a little bit more and and yeah. maybe not waste some applications which schools are yeah. going to like because they want right. the the secondary money but yeah yeah um that's the right thing to and do and i will say let me just let me just uh, say this that uh tmdsas does get a lot of non-resident applications about a quarter of our applicant pool is non non-resident yeah and so there's a lot of them because <laughs> we have a, that well we have a lot of schools in the state so well there's there's another reason scott why do students want to come to texas because it's awesome. <laughs> Besides that, <laughs> uh, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. I, it, I guarantee you, the far majority of students want to apply to Texas schools because tuition is so much cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is the wrong reason to apply to schools. No, absolutely. But it happens, and so yep. yeah. Yep, yep. Agreed. Agreed. All right, we're at our witching hour. It's been another great episode of Ask the Dean. Thank you, everyone, for coming, hanging out. Um, yeah, we uh, we got to play with Math a little bit more. We're playing with it more and more every day, and yep. uh, we were hoping to open it up for some students this week, but it looks like it'll be next week um, to to do some one on one wah, wah, wah. Uh, onboarding of some students. Huh? It's coming soon. Yeah, it's coming. It soon. coming. I need coming. to find my, uh, I, I have a project. I need to find my AMCAS application. I, I have it here somewhere printed out um, because uh -huh. I, I want to take everything in my AMCAS application and put it into mapped just yes. to, to have a full kind of look in there. But yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Well, it's good to talk to everybody. Yes. Have a great week. We'll see you uh, next time here on Ask the Dean. Yes. All right, so there you have it. Again, another episode of Ask the Dean. My co-host on Ask the Dean, Dr. Scott Wright, as well as Rachel Grubbs. But Dr. Scott Wright is the former director of admissions at UT Southwestern. And if you're looking for some one-on-one -on -one help from an expert, he is the man to work with. Go to mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com, and check out how Dr. Scott Wright can help you on your journey.